Amen. He is the chain breaker. We want to welcome you this morning. Glad to have you with us, especially if you're there with us uh, online. You're on one of our many platforms there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, be sure to heart to like, to share, follow us, subscribe, do all those things, especially if you'll comment, uh, make a, a decent comment there, not just that I'm here or, or hi, everybody. Uh, longer comments get pushed out more uh, to the people over the Facebook and YouTube and such. So be sure to do that this morning. Let us know you're there worshiping with us. Uh, and also want to say welcome to those who are listening on our phone live streaming. If you need that number, you can see me after the service. Be glad to give that to you. Uh, also just encourage you uh, to call the church office if you need that also. Uh, if you have access to our church website at home, uh, be sure to go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab. You can download today's worship bulletin. Uh, those are around the doors and the window seals here. Uh, if you need one of those, we've also got children's worship bulletins in this window seal to my right for ages three and up, ages seven and up. Those are also under that info tab on highlandbaptistchurch.com there. You can download them, you can print them, you can send the link to other people. So use it as an outreach, if you would, uh, to share with others. And then also under that info tab uh, is our prayer list. Be sure to get that downloaded. We've got a lot that were added this past week and some that will be added uh, for this coming week. And so remember all of those that are on that prayer list, especially those uh, who have lost some loved ones over this past week and a half. Just want to continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to be with those families. But we're glad you're here with us this morning. Looking forward to a wonderful, wonderful worship service this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. 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 Come on, Brother Mike. Good morning, all. This next song you may not know, may not have ever heard before, but while we're singing it, I want you to read the words because the words are special. I want you to follow along with us. Stand and join the choir as we sing 570, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. Through me and may 
Amen. How many of you knew that song this morning? Good. There's a few people out there that did. Glad you got introduced to that song this morning. It's a new song. No, it's, an, it's a new old song. It's been around uh, for a couple hundred, almost 150 years or so. Yeah, it's been around for quite a while. Uh, but it's a blessed song there. Uh, really kicks us off uh, for today as we begin our, our real emphasis here on who's your one. If you have your bulletins, you'll see there in your bulletins our missionaries of the week are Nolson and Edna uh, Cherry who are serving in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, they are ministering and reaching out to Haitian uh, immigrants there, uh, and they discovered that most Haitian churches in their community worshiped only in Haitian Creole. And God has opened up many opportunities there. We're going to see a video on them uh, a little while later in the month. Uh, but we wanted to share with you this morning uh, a kickoff video, if you will, for our emphasis for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And then after that, Ms. Rima is going to come and share a word with you. And then we'll have our prayer for our missionaries of the week and for our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So prayerfully watch this video this morning. When I tell people I'm a missionary, I get all kinds of questions. People ask, what kind of missionary are you? Or they want to know exactly what it is a missionary does. For a lot of times, you'll hear people say, a missionary here? You mean that's a thing? Well, there's 281 million lost people in the U.S. and Canada. So, yeah, it's a thing. But there's one question no one ever asked me, and I wish they would. No one ever asked, where is the finish line? That's the question I want to hear. What does mission accomplish look like? You can watch videos about North American missionaries like me. You can read stories about us. You can pray for us. But don't get so caught up in the methods and minutia of what we do that you miss the main thing. Everything you see and hear and read about us is really just a means to an end. We start churches to make Jesus known. We meet needs to make Jesus known. We move to unfamiliar places, we meet unreached people, and we attempt unrealistic things just to make Jesus known. There's nothing more important than that. Nada. Nothing at all. Jesus said, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And so that's what our finish line looks like. It looks like obedience, same as your finish line. God speak. You give, we go. Everything starts with your gift, so the Annie Armstrong is the offering. Those gifts enable us to go places where the gospel has never been. This is where we cross our finish line. This is where, together, we make Jesus known. church. I'm part of our missions ministry team here at Highland and I get the privilege of um, helping us to get a vision for the week of prayer for North American missions and our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Every year Southern Baptist churches observe a week of prayer for our North American missionaries, their ministries, and their families. So today on March the 3rd, we begin 2024's week of prayer. The theme as you've just seen in the video is make Jesus known. 
Do you know that there are over 2,900 missionaries and chaplains that are currently serving with the North American Mission Board? Because these missionaries make Jesus known in places all over the United States and Canada where there's little or no gospel witness. They often experience opposition, battle loneliness, and often discouragement. That's one reason why they need our prayers. Another reason is that they believe with all of their heart that God has sent them to share the gospel. This week, I want to encourage you to take the prayer guide that's inside our order of service and use it. It only takes just a couple of minutes each day to look over that particular needs for that day. If that doesn't work for you, it's easy to pull it up on your smartphone and access it there. But I want you to use this prayer guide this week to become aware of the many needs and then come before our mighty God with the needs that are there. Will you join me this morning in prayer for this week's week of prayer? Father God, we come before you with humble hearts this morning that we can come assembled in this house and come before you in prayer for our missionaries and chaplains as they serve you. I pray, God, that you would call out more laborers to share here in North America. I pray, Father, that you would help churches to become on fire for you to share the gospel. And I pray for each of us as individuals that we might see the mission field that's right here in front of us that we might be willing and bold to share the good news that you've given to us, to those that we come in contact with. We lift up to you all of our missionaries, those that are serving here in North America, those that are serving internationally, those that are serving here in the state of Tennessee, and we pray that you would just bless them, you would guide them, direct them, and give them wisdom. And help us as your people here at Highland to step up and know that we can pray, we can give, and as you lead, we can go. We ask this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you, Ms. Rima. And I want to encourage you to take that guide and be praying through it. Uh, we will be sharing some of those uh, on our Facebook page, so be sure to uh, tune in there, and you'll see some of those uh, as we go through uh, this week of prayer. If you're at home or even here in person, uh, you can give online by going to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side. You can click the Give Online tab. You can do your regular budget offering giving there, but you can also, if you want to begin today to give your Annie Armstrong Easter offering, you can do that also. There's a, a place there in the drop-downs that you can designate uh, towards that. There are offering envelopes that are around the tables and the windowsills uh, today to be sure to grab one of those, and your regular offering envelope are there in the pews in front of you. Uh, just a couple of things that I wanted to share with you this morning. Uh, once again, just want to remind you of the Hoosier One emphasis. We have these cards down here in front uh, of the pulpit. want to encourage you to pick up one as we're praying 
uh, for those individuals that God has laid upon your heart, whether they're in your family, your friends, your co-workers, whoever that might be, that you want to pray for uh, who may be lost. Uh, and we want to encourage you to write that person's name on the, out on the back side of the blue part here. Tear that off, place it in the offering plate, and we'll put it on the cross over here. We've been putting those on uh, each week, and we're still adding to that every week. So encourage you to do that. If we fill up all the pegs, we'll add some more uh, to that. But want to encourage you to take the time to do that. And then use the bookmark that's underneath uh, to, to pray for uh, that individual for the next 30 days. Uh, also, you can go to uh, the Bible app there, and you can begin the 40-day uh, devotional series there on who's your one. So I encourage you to take the time to do that. Uh, we are beginning this morning. I've got some cards that are right here in front of the pew. If you want to invite people to come uh, to the Easter egg hunt and to get them pre-registered, there's a little QR code uh, on these little cards. I encourage you to take these little invite cards uh, and to hand those out to your friends. So, so students, be sure to grab one of those. Uh, share it with your friends at school. Uh, we'll have some bigger cards that will be going out uh, later this month uh, to our schools uh, also. And then I'm going to challenge you today in our invitation time also. Uh, you're going to see these cards around. There's four places here uh, by the, by the uh, rails over here as well as by the offering plates here and at the door out there uh, on, the, on the table that we have these white Hoosier ones. We told you if, over the last couple of weeks that we're going to be asking you to pray for the names that are on this cross. And so these are those cards. want to encourage you to pick up one of those. We're going to challenge you to do that during the invitation. So I just wanted to make you aware of that, uh, to pick that up. Then if you don't feel comfortable coming during the invitation, I'm uh, sure you can probably pick one of those up uh, afterwards. And if you don't have access to uh, the, the Bible app there to do the 40-day uh, devotional, see me after the service. I'll get you a paper copy I have in my office. So uh, that's for the old school people. All right. Uh, Brother Mike. Take your hymnals now and turn to 563 and uh, join us as we sing Christ Receiveth Sinful Men.
is going to be singing this morning. It will be a song that's familiar to you, so you may want to sing along uh, with us. It is an invitation song, but we want to challenge you with it also as a song to spur your hearts to go and to share with others about Jesus, that they would turn their eyes upon Jesus.
Children's Church will be gathering during this song over on the piano side. Please take your hymnals and stand and join the choir as we sing 428. Ring the bells of heaven. 428. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're still continuing this uh, overall emphasis of impact, of, of impacting this world for the kingdom of God uh, in whatever ways that God has gifted us and, and opens up opportunities for us. Uh, one of the things I did fail to mention a while ago, and I saw it here in my notes a second ago, is uh, there, we've had some of you who've signed up for disaster relief that you were interested in that. There's a training that's going to be coming up here in our association. It's going to be here in Tullahoma in April. We don't have a sign-up sheet yet, uh, but it's going to be April the 13th. Uh, we will have a sign-up sheet there. I want to encourage you uh, to do that. There is a cost for it, but we'll help you with covering the cost. Don't let that be uh, an issue for uh, doing the disaster relief training uh, on that Saturday uh, on April the 13th. So put that in your calendar there. Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through verse 10. I've entitled this message, Who's Your One? It is going to be the emphasis for this month of Who's Your One as we go through the scriptures here. So uh, as you have your Bibles there, you've got them open. We're going to begin with verse 1 and verse 2. So would you stand as we read God's Word in honor of His Word? Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners 
and eats with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that this passage this morning would indeed sink in for us. Lord, first and foremost, to know that as we're thinking about who our one is, to realize we are your one. You loved us, each and every one individually, so much that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for each and every person who's here this morning, for each and every person who's watching online. And so, Father, I pray this morning those individuals will hear the message of the gospel love that you have shown to them in sending Christ to die on the cross in their place. For the wages of sin is death. We deserved that punishment that Christ took. But Father, we thank you that out of your grace and out of your mercy, you sent your Son to take that punishment for us. I pray this morning there would be those who would hear that gospel message and respond to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But there are many of us who are here, many who are watching online, who already know Christ as our Lord and Savior. But somewhere along the way, we have grown cold in our sharing of the gospel. Once we were excited about our relationship with Jesus, but we have failed to share, most of us, with anyone throughout our Christian life yet. So, Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts this morning to help us to discover who our ones may be. And, Father, we just ask your blessing on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Let me ask you this. Have you ever lost something of value that was really, really important that mattered to you and you couldn't find it? I mean, once you realized it, what did you do? I mean, you dropped everything that you were doing and immediately you went looking for it. Do you remember when you found it? Remember that joy? Remember the relief, the happiness that you felt? Maybe it was your wallet that you lost. Maybe it was a credit card. Maybe it was a wedding ring. Maybe you laid it down somewhere and you forgot where you laid it. Maybe it was a child. You ever lost a child? We lost a child, the one that's sitting here with us today. <laughs> she was little. We had just moved into a house in Alcoa, south of Knoxville there, and, and we were moving things in. The kids are playing in the yard. Next thing we know, we look around and Olivia's nowhere to be found. We start searching frantically all over the neighborhood there, all over the yard, can't find her all over the house, thinking surely maybe she's just in a closet hiding or, or something like that. We can't find her. We're panicking. You ever had that experience where maybe you've lost a kid or even just the thought of losing a kid panics you? She was just across the road in somebody else's, in one of our neighbor's backyard playing on their swing set. We found her. And what a relief that was what a joy that was to find her you know when you lose something like that especially a child it probably takes your breath away it probably makes you realize how things can change in a moment's notice when you lose the one who's so important to you that even happens in death you think everything's cruising along fine in life, everything is going smooth sailing, there's no health issues, there's no problems, and then all of a sudden, life happens and death comes. 
and it takes your breath away. And things change in a moment's notice. We all live one heartbeat at a time. We take in air one breath at a time. Did you know this? You are not promised another heartbeat or another breath this morning. Every breath you have, every heartbeat you go through this day is a blessing from the Lord. You're, you're only one person who can be in one place at one time. So today in this new series that we're beginning called Who's Your One, it, it, probably the most famous parable uh, that Jesus ever told, he shows us why if we have the heart of God, we will have a heart for one, for that one person especially. Maybe it's more than one in particular, but at least one person who needs to hear the gospel, one person who is lost, one person who needs to be found, and once they are found, once they are saved, to set them on the road to discipleship, to help them to grow in their walk with the Lord. Understand this parable is set up by Jesus here in these first two verses. Notice again verse 1 of chapter 15. Now the tax collectors, let's stop right there, we're getting close to tax season. Nobody likes the tax collector. You start doing your taxes and you're hoping, Lord, please give us a refund. Lord, please give us a refund. I don't want to have to pay anything. We don't like the tax collector. But here is Jesus and the tax collectors and the sinners we're all drawing near to him. That's a great thing. These were people who were outside the circles of the religious influence, outside the circles of the synagogue, outside the circles of, of what would become the New Testament church. And so verse 2 goes on to say, that the Pharisees and the scribes, those who are the religious leaders, notice what they do. Thank you, Jesus, that people are coming to Jesus, tax collectors, sinners. It says they grumbled. They grumbled. It's a shame that all too often that's the testimony of our churches. When people who aren't like us, who need the Lord Jesus, come. I've seen this happen in churches in many places that we've been where people began to grumble. We don't want those people here. They don't dress like us. They've got tattoos. They've got piercings in all kinds of places. We don't want those people. Here was the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the scribes, and they grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them. You can see the disdain in their voice as they're saying that. But why did they have... It just says there in the first part, he received sinners. They could have just stopped there, but you see that added emphasis there that he eats with them. One of the things that set Jesus apart from every other rabbi and religious leader, is that he regularly hung out and associated with people called sinners. 
Now, now they, were, they weren't always bad people. They weren't always murderers and thieves. They were just people who either didn't follow the laws of the Old Testament or, or they didn't go to the synagogue or, or to the temple to worship or they didn't particularly cross their religious T's and dot their uh, religious I's that the religious crowd expected. They were either Gentiles or they were non-observant Jews. And it was taboo for any respectable Jew to interact with or to associate with sinners or Gentiles. You weren't even to share a meal with people like that. If you met them on the street, stay over there. I'm walking on my side of the street. You stay on your side of the street. They would cross the street just to walk uh, past those people. You, you see that in the parable that Jesus shares about the Good Samaritan. And, and so that's what they would do. They would cross to the other side. You weren't even to have eye contact or any kind of verbal communication with anybody like that. And so Jesus here, he, he is to them committing a double felony because we're told that he, he is with sinners... And he's also eating with them. And so here was the problem in a nutshell. This religious crowd, they only cared about people who were in the temple. Jesus cared about people who were outside the temple. You see what the religious crowd had done? I mean, we have our walls here, physical walls here already. That's a barrier enough for people to come to a place like this who don't know Christ. But they were building walls even outside. They were building walls to keep people from coming. They built walls, but notice what Jesus did. Jesus built bridges. The religious leaders, they locked the doors to the church. Jesus, he essentially was taking the doors out because Jesus was looking out for number one, except number one wasn't himself. Number one for him was others. We also are to be looking out for others, for our one. Jesus tells us why and how and what happens when we do that. So I want you to get three things from this passage this morning. First of all, we need to see properly our one. Notice verse 3 and verse 4. So they said this, and verse 3 says, So he told them this parable. Now, do you know what a parable is? A parable is simply this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's something that, a, a story that everybody could relate to, everyone could understand the story. It's just a story, but it has a meaning and a purpose to the story that is a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus begins to tell them this parable, verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? How many people have always thought that Jesus told three parables in this chapter? In fact, he's actually telling one, but it has three parts. He talks about one lost sheep. He talks about one lost silver coin. 
and he talks about one lost son. Now, we're going to look at the first two, and we'll look at the other one uh, later in another message. So the question that Jesus asks is a rhetorical question because one thing everybody in that crowd would agree upon those who were churchgoers, those who were non-goer churchgoers, the saints and the sinners, is that if a shepherd loses a sheep, that shepherd is going to go after that sheep. Everybody plainly understood the earthly meaning of the story. Because understand this, shepherds don't care about some of the flock. They don't care about most of the flock. They care about all of the flock and especially when one sheep gets lost. Shepherds have to go after lost sheep because lost sheep don't even realize that they're lost. I mean, they're just wandering away. They don't know they're lost. They don't even care that they're lost. They aren't smart enough to figure out how to get back. And so know this about everyone who is out there uh, who is without Christ. They are lost and they need to be found. He then moves on from a lost sheep to lost silver. Look, if you will, down to verse 8. He says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Now, as Jesus is telling this story, women all over who are hearing this, they're listening to Jesus. They would have been nodding their heads. They would have been agreeing with what he was saying. Back in the day, women lived in small homes about the size of what we would have today as a one-car garage. Most of them didn't have windows. Most of those homes didn't. Uh, they had one door, and most of the time, the house would be very dark, and it would be very cold. This woman isn't wealthy, and we find out she only has ten coins. Now the coin here is a, a drachma. A drachma was a denarius, which was about a quarter of a shekel, which was about a day's wage back in the day. Even the loss of one coin was a big deal. Like the shepherd, she begins looking frantically for that coin. She turns that house inside out, upside down, trying to find it. Let me ask you this at this point of the story. Why did the shepherd look for the sheep? And why did the woman look for the silver coin? Because it bothered them and it burdened them that one of them was lost. How did they know that they were lost? Because they counted. They counted the sheep. She counted the silver. You know, a lot of times churches are criticized about being concerned with numbers. We ought to be concerned about numbers uh, because numbers are people. Understand this, people are not numbers, but numbers are people. And with people, you count numbers, and one number we ought to always be concerned about is number one, others. I, I want you to imagine that, that you have three kids, and one of them gets lost. Let me ask you this, would you say to your spouse, Hey, don't worry about that one. You know, we still got two back over at the house. Or would you say, you know, just look on the bright side. Our grocery bill just went down one-third. We wouldn't dare say that. You'd be in trouble if you said that as a guy, so please don't say that to your wife ever. 
The reason why the Pharisees didn't understand why Jesus hung around sinners and welcomed sinners is not only because they didn't see themselves as sinners, but they didn't see sinners the way God sees sinners. God sees everyone who doesn't know him as someone who is lost. You're here this morning and you've never trusted by faith in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. You are lost without him. And if you were to die today, you would spend an eternity in hell forever separated from him, burning in a literal fire flame. So we need to begin to see a person uh, who is far from God the same way that we see a child of ours who is lost, the same way we see that child. And when you do, you'll begin to see your one in a totally different light. To everybody else in the community, one lost sheep, it's not a big deal. To the other women in that neighborhood, one lost coin wasn't a big deal. But it was a big deal to that shepherd... And it was a big deal to that woman because it was his sheep and it was her silver coin. So think about this. Every person on this planet belongs to God. Whether you're saved this morning or you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you belong to him. He created you, he loves you, and he's made a plan and a way for you to be in a relationship with him. Every person whether you're saved or whether you're lost, matters to God. And what matters to God ought to matter to us. I, I want to remind all of us that we're all in this chapter here. We're all in this parable. We're all in these three stories. Because at one time, every single one of us who are here were a lost sheep. Every single one of us here was a lost coin. Every single one of us was a lost son or daughter. Once we were lost, but now if you're in Christ, you've been found. So keep that in mind when you think about looking out for our one, and you need to properly visualize and see that one. Secondly, we also ought to personally evangelize our one. Let's go back to the first part of this parable and notice what the shepherd does when he realizes that one sheep has been lost. Again in verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? So notice something here. He's so focused, the shepherd is, on that one lost sheep that he leaves the other ninety-nine out in the open country. He could have left them in a sheep pen, but no, they're out in the country. And normally a shepherd would never leave his sheep, except in the case of one being lost. The same thing is true of this woman. Go back to verse 8. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. 
So understand this woman, she doesn't worry about the other nine coins. She's pouring all of her attention, all of her concentration, all of her effort on that one lost coin. Now, by the way, that word diligently there, or carefully in some translations, is only used one time in all of the Bible, and it's right here. It was like obeying the command of a king. When a king gives you a command, it's a matter of life and death, and you'd better obey that command. This is no take it or leave it, no, no, no hum, flippantly casual search. Oh, well, I lost a coin. She's literally looking in every nook and every corner of the house, in every square inch of this house. She's turning it upside down, inside out. Notice it says she's lighting lamps. She's sweeping the floors. She's, she's giving everything she's got to finding this one simple coin. Now understand this about this coin. This coin wasn't worth that much money. Today, in today's money, it would be worth about 18 cents. So what's the big deal about one coin or one sheep? I mean, think about it. You lose one out of 100, that's not bad. Any person in business would be thrilled if they have a 99% profit margin. Did you know that the major grocery stores work off of about a 2% profit margin? So again, why would a shepherd leave 99 to go after one? Why would a woman worry about one coin when she has nine left? Let's get this straight. It wasn't because one sheep was valuable in and of itself. It's because in and of itself it was of very little value. It certainly wasn't because one drachma, one coin, this one silver coin, was valuable because one drachma in and of itself wasn't very valuable. See, the reason why the shepherd looked for that one sheep and the reason why this woman looked for that one silver coin was because of their love and their care for that one that was lost. What was it that made that sheep and that silver coin so valuable, it was the love and the concern of the one who had lost it. If you don't get anything else from this message, get this, because one of the greatest discoveries we can ever make in our life is this. Jesus doesn't love you because you're valuable. You're valuable because he loves you. Big difference. I'm nothing. But when Jesus looks at me, because of his love for me, that's what makes me valuable to him. There's something else about the sheep and the silver coin. They both had something else here in common. Not only were they both lost, notice what happens in the stories in both. They're both found. They both had uh, this in common. It was the shepherd that found the sheep, and it was the woman that found the silver. Let me let you in on a little secret. Lost things never find themselves. Somebody has to find someone that is lost. If somebody doesn't look for something that is lost, it will stay lost. 
If we don't go out looking for the lost one, that lost one will live lost and that lost one will die lost until we go out and find that lost one. Let me get this really down to where we can understand this. If you really love Jesus, then you're going to love what Jesus loved. Jesus loved the one. He loved the sinner. He loved the tax collector. And when you properly see that one who is lost, you'll want to personally share the good news of the gospel with that one who is lost. Just like God found you, you will want to help others to be found as well. So understand, we really don't find God. God finds us. God finds us because he, he isn't just always looking for us. He wants his people who have been found to be looking out for those ones. So let me ask you this morning, who is your one? Who is the one you're looking for? We ought to properly see our one. We ought to pers personally share the gospel with our one. And we ought to purposely prioritize our one. So notice here, both the shepherd and the woman do something that would have shocked the crowd listening to this story. So, so far in the story... Everybody understands what's going on. Everybody's shaking their heads. They're agreeing, yes, that's exactly what I'd do. If I had a lost sheep, I'd go look for it. If I had a lost coin out of 10 there, I'd be going to find that. Everybody's saying yes, yes. But here's what happens that would leave people scratching their heads. Notice verse 5. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Go down to verse 9. Let's look at the story here, the, the part of the parable about the lost coin. It says, And when she found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin. That I had lost. So just imagine here, this shepherd, he throws this big party. All his friends and neighbors come to celebrate. They don't know what they're celebrating. They're just glad to be invited to a party. When they all get there before they sit down to eat and drink, he points out this one little lamb who's standing over there in the corner, one sheep, and he simply says, that sheep was lost, but now it's found. Woo, let's party. You're at that party, and you're thinking to yourself, it's just one sheep. You still have 99. Sheep are just property. Everybody loves sheep uh, every now and then. And they lose sheep every now and then. That's just the cost of doing business. How about that woman? Said she threw a party too. Think about that. How many coins did she start with? Ten? She loses one, and now she's throwing a party. That party was probably costing her more than that coin was worth. Celebrating a sheep was strange enough. But to celebrate an 18-cent coin, one drachma, is, is just weird. The coin was worth even less than the sheep was. So, so why does Jesus put this celebration in the story? 
Because this there is a parable for a story, for a message, for a reason. Here's the point of this entire parable, even the third part that we'll come to another time. Lost people matter to God. What matters to God ought to matter to us. Heaven throws a party when lost people are found. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? There is rejoicing in heaven when one soul comes to faith in Christ. The way Jesus concludes this story here is a punch in the gut, if you will, to this religious leader crowd who thought they had it all figured out. Verse 7. Look at verse 7 in the part of the lost sheep. He says, Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 religious persons who need no repentance. Look at verse 10, the story about the lost coin. He says, just so, just like the story I just told you, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Stop and think about that. God doesn't throw a party or rejoice when our football team or our basketball team wins. He doesn't throw a party when we get a promotion. He doesn't throw a party when we get a big raise. He doesn't throw a party when we get our names on the front page of the paper. God throws a party every time one person repents, every time one person gets right with God, every time one person surrenders their life to Jesus, every time that one lost person is found. That's when God says it's party time. Nothing makes God sadder than people who are lost, and nothing makes God gladder than when lost people are found. God doesn't throw a party when we tithe. He doesn't throw a party when we reach our budget. He doesn't throw a party when we pay off our debt. He doesn't throw a party when, when the preacher ends at 1130, which is getting close to. Some of you would throw a party for that. He throws a party... When lost people are found. God doesn't get happy because we're in the right crowd. God gets happy when the right crowd goes looking for the wrong crowd to help them to get into the right crowd. We ought to put, it the, put at the very top of our list doing what God makes God the happiest. So we ought to see, personally, properly see our one, personally share the gospel with our one, and we ought to purposely prioritize our one. So here's the whole question. Who is your one? Who is that one? That one person, that one person matters to God. And what matters to God ought to matter to us. We need to prioritize looking out for our one because heaven is happy when one lost person is found, when one lost person is saved, and we ought to want to make heaven happy. How is it, though, that we haven't found our one yet? Because statistics tell us over and over and over again, 5% or less of most church members, most who profess Christ, have never shared the gospel with one person. It begins here with what we're doing with this emphasis of who's your one. Pray. 
If you're not willing to pray for them, you're certainly not going to share the gospel with them. You ought to want to pray for those who are in your circles of influence. More than likely, the reason we haven't found our one yet is because we're looking in the wrong spot. If we had been in the right place, we would have found them without any problem. So let me encourage you here this morning. Start building relationships with people outside the church, people you work with, students, people you go to school with, people in your neighborhood. How about this? People in your family. Start with those circles of people around you. Your one might be right here in the four walls of this church, but most likely your one is out there, next door, down the street, around the corner. Let me share this with you. One of the greatest conversation starters that there is to sharing the gospel is this. You might want to even jot this down because I'd encourage you to use it in this coming week. Here's the question. How can I, or if you're as, as a group, how can we, or is there anything we can pray about for you? Simple question. How can I pray for you? Is there anything we can pray about for you? I want to challenge you to ask that question at least once a week or more, and then beginning next week, uh, we're going to provide some index cards to you for you to write down what that person said about, uh, without giving their whole name or anything like that, putting their name down at all, even. We want you to write down that and share some of those. We'll share with some of those with the church later. But I want to challenge you, use that as a conversation starter. Maybe you go to a restaurant today. And you got that waitress sitting there. She's standing there. You don't know what she's going through or what he's going through. Is there something we can pray for you about today? And it may open up a conversation for you to share your faith in Christ with them. Understand this. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross and came back from the grave because God was looking for his number one. You know who his number one was? You. You. I was his one. You were his one. Who is your one? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just simply come before your throne of grace asking for your will to be done in this time of invitation. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning who has never by faith trusted in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. I pray that they would get things right today. Lord, that they would come to say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He took the punishment for me that I deserved. I believe he was placed in that tomb and three days later, came back to life and I confess my sin before you. I repent of my sin. I turn away from it and I turn to follow you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life and to save me and to help me to live for you each and every day. Father, if there's someone who's prayed something like that in their hearts this morning in all sincerity, Father, I pray they would come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ. 
Lord, there are others who are here as believers this morning, Lord, who already have that relationship, but Lord, you've been working in their hearts. You're maybe even been leading them here to join this fellowship as we seek to make an impact for your kingdom by sharing the good news of the gospel with people around us. Father, I pray this morning there would be those who would come. Lord, there are some who just need to come and maybe pick up one of these cards at the altar. Just take it with them to go back to their seat, committing, Lord, publicly that as I pick up that card, I'm committing to pray for this person. Some of their friends who are here in this sanctuary put that person's name down. And they need some help in praying for these who are on this cross. So, Father, I pray that maybe if we've not written a name down, we'd do that. Lord, but I pray that we as believers this morning would come and pick up one of those cards, committing to pray for those individuals. And Lord, that we would look for those ones who are in our circles throughout this coming week, that we would just simply ask them, how can I pray for you? And Lord, I pray that you will open up the opportunities and stir the hearts of those people that we share with. And Father, I pray that you will give us gospel conversations. Lord, I pray there'll be people who will be saved uh, throughout this effort, Lord. And I pray that they'll be set on the road to discipleship as we seek to help them to grow in their walk with you. Lord, bless this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're here this morning and you made that decision to receive Christ. We invite you to come. We invite you to come also for church membership. But we invite you to come and pick up one of those cards to commit to pray for the friends that have been placed on this cross over here. Would you come this morning as we stand, as we sing? Brother Mike, would you come?
thank you for coming and picking those cards up. You can still pick those up after the worship service. You can be seated for just a moment. Brother Ben's going to come and share our announcements with us. If you're headed out that door, there are some on the table uh, headed out that door, so be sure to grab one there. Good morning. Just a few announcements. Um, scholarship committee is having a meeting immediately after service in the conference room. Should be really short. Um, to also today happening at 3.30 is the VBS training. That's open to everyone. And then for those for going to WEC, the payment for that is due today. It's $15 per person. Uh, another request is we currently have three sound people, um, Andrew, Ben, and Ben. But if you can, if we can have another volunteer, that means one person every four weeks, that'd be great. That's, that means you would just come in on Wednesday and, and do Wednesday night. Uh, preacher preaches even longer, but you don't have to do that much. But after that, we also have a choir practice, and then you do Saturday, Sunday morning and Sunday night. So that's just three days, one week. If we can get that uh, to another person, it would ease up the load on us. Uh, so if you are interested in that, anybody can do it. My sons run sound multiple times. Um, just come and see either me, Ben Howell, or Andrew, uh, and we will we can we'll set up something. It, 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 it looks daunting, but it, or you might think it is, but it, it's not. Um, so uh, just see one of us, please. It'd be great. Um, the other um, four things that I want you to be reminded of is we uh, lost a lot, of, a lot of people here in this last, like Brother said, about a week and a half. Uh, we lost Rosalie Moore, so remember her, or more importantly, remember her family, because the best best part is we don't have to worry about Rosalie Moore anymore, uh, or Marlon Bates, who was a pillar here, and don't have to worry about Marlon, but be in prayer for Joe and, and that family. And Myra Watson's funeral was yesterday, just be in prayer for them, and then remember Ivan Jean and her, her family and the loss of her daughter, uh, Cindy Smith. And just be there for each other and love on each other. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we are thankful that you have chosen us as your one. Thank you for choosing us as your children. Help us to love you as you have loved us and help us to love each other in this building and those who are outside this building who don't have love for us. Help us to show your love to them. As uh, <clears throat> Brother Jim is a microphone for you today, help us to be a microphone for you every day in the real world. And forgive us for when we fail to love and for when we fail to follow you. We ask your, for your forgiveness and love you all in your son's name. Amen.